because we are living in a chemical world and I'm a chemical nondescript person. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl or boy. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical I'm so tired of having the same friggin' to-do list every gosh darn single day of my life. I'm so tired of the dual expectations of daughter, friend, survivor, and wife. I could work 40 hours a day, but I would still just be stuck in the hive. I could reach the pinnacle of success and still never know I'm alive. When I get upset, they say it's all just in my head. Well, if it wasn't, I'd be dead. That is just how brainwaves get when they're smothered in neglect. So sorry that I have regrets that I guess you've never met that will never let me rest. It doesn't matter if it's true, if it's what I believe, if it's what I think, what I feel, what I breathe. Estoy cansada de llorar todos los días para las fantasmas de mi infancia. No sé qué es tan con mi cerebro me gustaría estar muerto. Ven conmigo, ven conmigo, ven conmigo, ven conmigo, ven conmigo. Good afternoon. Welcome to Chemical World on KDNK. I am Kenna Crampton, co-host, and I have Maggie Seldine, a.k.a. Muggsy Faye. That's who you just heard. And what's the name of that song that we were just able to enjoy? So that was the first verse and chorus from one of my latest originals, La Llorona. And we are doing a take two on that one. In our December episode, we talked about how we were going to be doing like a traditional radio serial format with this song that I wrote, which I feel like every album of mine has kind of had one of these. I call them, you know, the magnum opus songs. They're always A minor CG with maybe a hint of E in there. And they're these songs that I could just write like notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of poetry to these same chords. So it's kind of funny that they end up being still the same chords all these years later. It all, actually all kind of worked out really well. You know, we lost the December episode into the void and um, we were not able to do a live January episode because I was having some medical issues and not really able to wear headphones or hear anything. And I was just saying before we started that that's what, you know, the pandemic has done to us, that February 2023 is a great time to start 2023. Yep. Give us a little extra month reboot. Um, but so, yeah, I'm excited to kind of bring you a verse of a, a new verse from La Llorona every episode of Chemical World throughout 2023, give us a little bit more music to our conversation. You know, I write a lot about recovery and mental health stories 
and this is a, a my next album, which is La Llorona is the title track off of. This is a really mental health heavy album. Mm-hmm. I played at Steve's Guitars a couple weeks ago, and I was really honored that they had to censor it as abrasive content because <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> and you know, Steve's is where is a great place for uh, locals to go for an early you know weekend show and still get mm-hmm. home in time to put the kids to bed. And so I love that he added that. But you know, yeah, I cuss a lot in my music, but I think it's the um, mental health stuff in this album and and this this song that's the most triggering but I also and the most abrasive but I also think it's really important to share that and I'm really really excited to share this poetry and this pain with my community with people and I want to say this is if you if you don't already, you can follow at High Rockies Harm Reduction, my nonprofit organization that does a lot of education, advocacy, and direct work around substance use and mental health issues. And you can also follow at Muggsy Fay on Instagram and Facebook, Muggsy underscore Fay, M-U-G-S-Y underscore F-A-Y for my musical content. And I'm really leaning into the mental health branding. And I just want to say, you know, and I think this is something we talk a lot about on Chemical World. Heavy feelings are a lot for people. I don't talk about suicide for you to worry about me. I talk about it because we need to talk about it. We need to talk about grief and we need to talk about suicidal ideation as a community and reduce the stigma to save more lives. So just... Follow me if you like intense music, and that's my trigger warning for you. I really appreciate you saying that because I, um, I am not someone who has necessarily been suicidal a lot throughout my life. I have had some suicidal ideation, I realized, but uh, I still think it's so important to talk about because I've definitely been affected by suicide and known numbers of people who have also been affected by it so I'm in the same boat of like I don't necessarily want to talk about it for myself I want to talk about it because it's important to talk about and I a lot of the time see it as you know someone freeing themselves so yeah and and I I know that's not necessarily I don't know sometimes that's not what people want to hear but well, and I, I'm really grateful that we live in a state with a right to die legislation, you so know, because people die with dignity. Is that what it is? I'm not 100 percent what it's called, but basically like that choice to make the decision for to end your life if you're in hospice care or okay, end of life cool. care. Yeah, that's great. And obviously, I don't think that, you know, 22 year old suicidal people can take advantage of that, nor should they. Right. No. They should take advantage of mental health services. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here in the Valley, too, that doesn't necessarily mean like Mind Springs. It can be like there are so many cool like go to a spiritual center in Third Street if you're so inclined. And there is like a wall of like spiritual therapeutic healers. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of cool options here. You know, 13 Moons hosts different events obviously third street does a lot of like health oriented stuff and it's cool because we have a very holistic approach here in the valley as we should because we have a lot of suicide you know Mm -hmm. i know in grand junction the suicide rate is so high that stanford is doing a study on it yeah and i it's been on the forefront of my mind because i posted something the other day about how i'm so happy to be living in carbondale again but that it is really hard and triggering because I've lost so many people in this community and I walk by the places where they died or where they lived every day. And I mean, I don't, there's like a really similar to the monument in Grand Junction, there's like a landmark in town that like, that's what I think of when I see it and Mm -hmm. it's hard to not see it. Right. And so, yeah, it's not just conversations about 
our own like struggles, but how we struggle with losing other people and how sometimes that choice isn't necessarily like, well, I don't think that choice is to be judged regardless. Exactly. What's really hard for me is the majority of people close to me in my life who took their own lives did so under the influence of drugs or alcohol. So they weren't in their rational mind when they did that. But part of the reason they weren't in their rational mind is because they like most people with addiction problems, struggled so hard to be in this reality without Mm -hmm. using drugs to disassociate, which I empathize with. And the last thing I really wanted to say on the subject is for me, I feel so, so grateful that I found providers in the community that explained to me that there is a difference between thinking about suicide or suicidal ideation and being suicidal. It is normal to think about death. It is normal to think about suicide when you're surrounded by it. And that's why having these conversations is so important because the stress and anxiety and fear of even, so for me, it's like, I feel like that's just where my brain goes a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. And that's gotten so much better as I work through it. But I remember feeling like, or this realization that like, that's just where my brain goes. (laughs) And my friend in Olympia, Washington made a really cool zine called, um, I don't, I still to this day don't know what the seven words I can't say on the radio or the 11 or whatever it is, but resilient B word, B-A-S-T dot 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 word, I don't know. But it's a zine about um, coping with suicidal ideation. And the way it talks about it in in the zine all the time is really cool because it says like, how to deal with a brain that's actively trying to kill you. And it's like these Mm. are how our neurodivergencies or whatever like link up, that it is normal for you to have those thoughts because that's literally the way that your brain has been conditioned. But that doesn't mean that you want to or you're going to take your own life. And so I feel really grateful. I've found people in that community that I can talk to about that. So I want to be somebody who can be talked to about it as well. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. Again, you can follow Maggie on all the social media platforms, and you can also con- there's contact info there if as, you'd like to continue this conversation with her. Yes, as at High Rockies Harm Reduction or at Muggsy Fay, my two both kind of professional pages, but you can reach out to me wherever. <laughs> yes, thank you. So glad we put a trigger warning at the beginning of that one. We got deep really fast, but uh, it has been a weird winter to say the least and uh it's uh we're just kind of getting to the beginning of the year and kind of seeing how this year is going to be if we're going to be able to go out like normal which it kind of seems like so far we are so yeah and I'm just really excited that February will be over soon and you know then March and then April and then May and then it might not be snowy anymore and that's just where I'm at this year (laughs) oh yeah yeah and that's I've been thinking a lot about kind of like seasonal affective disorder and literally like counting how much more sunlight we have every day (laughs) oh that's nice yeah because we are we're getting next month will be the equinox and then just it's all uphill from here yeah sunshine and rainbows really oh yeah here in Colorado (laughs) absolutely first of all happy uh, sobriety birthday thank you today is um the 6th of February when we are recording this so it's not live on the radio but it is Muggsy's or Maggie's sobriety birthday so do you want to tell us a little bit about it? You're at four years. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much, Kenna. And I appreciate, yeah, we kind of scheduled our recording on purpose. And I think we did the same um, around your 
birthday too, which is mm-hmm. back in December, November, December. Yeah, yeah, and that's it was cool because I, I think it's cool because there's actually a lot of people who I'm close with or even looked up to in the recovery community where we didn't intentionally get sober or quit drinking at the same time. But then when I'm like, oh, you have the same amount of time as me, that's badass. Yeah. And so when you and I came together a couple months after I had quit drinking, it was like this really natural like support system, which I've been so grateful for. And um, I am so grateful to the person who was obviously going to hit me up tomorrow to wish me a happy birthday without me telling them. That was so sweet. I don't know if today or the 6th or the 7th, like you tell me, community, Uh because the 6th is the last day that I drank. So I think technically the 7th is my birthday. Uh But I kind of like put like a little star like in the center line between them both. Um, And it's funny today um, I had a meeting. um, So my nonprofit, we have a fiscal sponsor. And so we meet with that team. And um, there's also this, this is kind of connected, this concept that the body kind of like carries memories of experiences. So on anniversaries of days, Mm -hmm. you may have like similar like bodily experiences. Like you may be like, why am I in pain? Oh, because it's the day I got in that car accident 20 years ago. That's like a more physical example. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it could be or that's the day my parents got divorced or told me they were getting divorced, whatever. Right. And um, I was having this meeting with this woman together and uh, today and I'm like, did you realize, do you realize that we met almost exactly a year ago today when you told me that I had to lay off all of my staff because my company was almost bankrupt. Mind you, that is not the situation we're in today. So <laughs> big ups Yay. to the community that we're doing great and expanding rapidly. And um, we'll be uh, actually back with rapid, uh, back with direct services in the community very soon. So I'll actually make a plug for that at the end of the episode. Don't let me forget. Um, but... The day that she told me that was also the anniversary of my mom's overdose. And oh. so I told her this morning that it was like kind of an ironic joke to me. Like, of course, you would tell me that my company is going under on the anniversary of my mom's overdose. And then today she told me what an amazing job I'm doing and what an amazing business I'm building. And I'm like, that's funny because today is the anniversary of when I quit drinking. Yeah, huh. And so there's a very direct explicit correlation between the day I quit drinking and the anniversary of my mom's overdose. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I was trying. I, I've been trying for years to cope in reality without the mechanisms that have not really served me well in the past. And it was just this real hard realization. I did feel myself the last time I drank kind of on this slippery slope and I could see the rock bottom ahead of me like I don't know the way I was feeling like the way I was acting towards like people around me like I just was like this is not and also the way I was like making plans around my drinking schedule and just really starting to see a lot of these patterns um but I really it really hit me for the first time you know I've been struggling to process the loss of my mother for almost 20 years now because I really been avoiding it with alcohol and Mm -hmm. I remember one time my friend was like oh you sounds like you I was like 23 24 I used to at that point in my life I was drinking like at least a six pack of beer a night and which was like down (laughs) a lot um Mm -hmm. And my friend, I was telling him about my day, and he's like, wow, it sounds like you need a drink. And I was like, why would I pour a depressant on my depression? Uh-huh. And, like, even within my alcoholism, like, I wasn't always somebody who, like, cried into the bottle necessarily. Hmm. But alcohol was just such a deeply, deeply normalized part of my existence for so long. And so everyone's recovery looks very different. And I didn't even really want to post the picture of my chip today 
because I don't want people to get the wrong idea about what my recovery is. Because hmm. I got my four-year chip, but I didn't get a three-year or a two-year or a one-year. It was actually a really beautiful experience where I got my four-year chip because I was in there during the birthday meeting because it was also a funeral meeting for a close friend of mine. Oh, okay. And that was kind of a beautiful thing for me. Like I would have never gotten that chip if I and, and I hadn't been in that room for a long time if it hadn't been for my friend who passed. Hmm. So it was like kind of a silver lining. But it was really weird because I was sitting down there remembering the last time I was in this room, I was six months, no alcohol. And I never, ever like I keep having this weird parallel moment of me at, with six months in the room and me at four months in the room. And like the reality that that's the same freaking person. Um, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Four months or four years? Four years now versus okay, cool. six months then. Okay. Sorry. If no, I no, that's spoke. okay. But Because um, even four months and six months is a huge difference. But then it's like it's like as like an uh, age gap between people in a relationship. Like the longer you go, the smaller the gap gets, you know? And so two months and six months – or four months and six months is a huge difference, whereas like six months and four months may be a comparable difference when – to years, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Does I, that make sense? What yeah, I'm no, I to totally. Say? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, and that's uh, like it feels so much easier to not drink now. But it was so, 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 so hard. Yeah. In the beginning, and what you're describing too is kind of like I keep experiencing this confusion because to me, I don't understand how there can like literally be a price, dif- like a quality difference that like, and it could be anything. It could be a bed, a shirt, a purse a desk that there's one that costs twenty dollars and there's one that costs twenty thousand dollars like how do we live in a universe where everyone could have enough and yet there's a twenty thousand dollar desk and i'm working with a twenty one twenty dollar one but it's like the difference between a twenty dollar desk and a hundred dollar desk is pretty noticeable but my issue with it is like what is the difference between the thousand dollar desk and the twenty thousand dollar desk you see what i'm saying yeah so it's very it's that's kind of something i've been dealing with recently trying to figure out um, but I just wanted to say more too. you know, part of um, why I didn't go back and get chips is because I started using medical cannabis again. Mm-hmm. And my recovery is very different from everyone's. Everyone's, you know, recovery is unique. I think we're all neurodivergent from each other. And it took me years and years, like a lot of people quit drinking because they're on death's door or because their drinking has become unmanageable. Um, there's the natural recovery method, you know, or theory or whatever, which is more what I experienced where like my drinking was unmanageable for a really, really long time. And I kept reducing it and it was still unmanageable. And it actually got to a yeah. point where I managed it. But then it's like that to me was one of the strongest signs of the alcoholism and the addiction is how hard I worked to be able to still drink. Yeah. And they talk about that. Yeah. You know, that I don't drink in the morning or and I would hide my drinking. Drinking isn't mm-hmm. something I talked about with people, but it was something I did every day, yeah. whether I wanted to or not. Yeah. And thought about it all day. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, I'm not going to drink today. That's how you start the day. off. And then by 10, you're like, well, maybe I'll have a beer when I get off of work and that won't be too bad, you know, and then. As the day goes on, you end up having the beer and then you have a few more. You know, I mean, it's just it's a constant. And then if you do get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm not drinking today and you actually don't drink that day, then you can't wait for the next day when you do. And then it's like, okay, and everything's lost. (laughs) And yeah, over the past four years, there have been times I've wanted to drink over the past four weeks. I've been more triggered to drink than I have in four years, you know, but I also like I, I everything I've been doing too today and 32, like literally everything. I'm like, okay, I've done this before. And the way I did it last time didn't work. Right. So I'm literally learning. My brain is developing. I'm learning from my mistakes. 
mistakes, which doesn't make them mistakes. It makes them learning opportunities. <laughs> and I just know, like, there's this voice in my head that's like, you could have a beer. And yeah, I could have a beer, and that would be fine. You know, mm-hmm. even if I, like, pissed you off when I was drunk, like, you're not going to hate me forever, right? Like, I probably wouldn't ruin my life. But I also know that, like, just buying that beer, like, I remember what that argument and that failure feeling is like of just buy, like wasting the $25 on the 12 pack and having it in your fridge. And now you have to drink it because now it's there and you didn't drink for a month, but now you're going to have to keep buying more. And it's just this whole vicious cycle, right? That is so beyond our control, mm-hmm. regardless of like that my drinking looked different than somebody else's. And so my recovery is interesting too, because, and, and, so I'm on, I use medical cannabis, but so I love, like you said, the, you think about it all day. Like I remember sitting in school and college and just like sitting about, thinking about whether or not I was going to smoke weed for like three hours. And I'm like, okay, well, the fact that this is all I can freaking think about is a problem, right? And one of my favorite definitions of substance abuse, which is actually not a word that we're really using anymore because it is totally messed up. Who are you abusing, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we, that's the word we use for people who, physically harm children right so to call people who use drugs drug abusers is like there's some i've just seen some really beautiful language about why that's like messed up because who are you harming other than yourself right it's a you are the victim in that crime there are other crimes that may be connected to substance use like burglary or assault or whatever but the use itself yeah. yeah for sure but the use itself right is theoretically not the problem (laughs) it can be a side effect and it can be a contributor and that's why i for me like alcohol is a more dangerous drug and it is like there's like a medical threshold right like i was talking to somebody about this yesterday where like kratom yeah it might be similar to an opioid but you'll literally throw up before you can consume enough um, yeah. mm-hmm. to overdose and that's tr- similar with like cannabis like it's really hard to physically consume enough to kill you yeah. whereas drugs like alcohol opioids meth like pretty moderate doses can kill you depending yeah. on your your physicality and so but my favorite definition for the uh, substance abuse was using something in spite of negative consequences right and it's like I don't always love the way I feel when I'm smoking cannabis I don't I definitely don't always love the way I feel when I'm drinking I definitely prefer my actions that I take smoking cannabis, and I have a lot of mental health issues. And so this is where I see harm reduction come into play, not just as a pathway to recovery, but as an integral part to most people's recovery. Is And I saw this was posed beautiful the other day, and I've been saying a lot of things like this too, like, most people's recovery is probably going to involve drugs because we have mental and physical needs. And like all medical care is seeking drugs. So to say that like people are drug seeking behavior or whatever, it's like, well, yeah, because I came to a doctor. Like that's what you do is you give out drugs or like, why can I, I can't tell kids not to do drugs because I would be the only voice in society saying that. So they're not going to take me very seriously because it kind of, and that's why dare was a failure. It's like, we're not going to listen to you because it obviously is like a transparent joke when yeah. our when ev- our parents are using all kinds of drugs they're drinking alcohol they're smoking weed they're doing coke or whatever you know like and the media we see sorry i digress <laughs> my point being my recovery is an interesting anomaly even to myself because i have used more injection drugs in the past year than I ever did when I was in active use. And I've done it with a doctor. Mm-hmm. And so I still use drugs. because, And I use drugs that, like, I don't use cocaine or heroin or meth um, or opiates anymore because the, they were kind of a part of my problem or chaotic use. And, like, still not as bad as alcohol in my mind if they were to be used alone. But, like, those were the things that I used to, like, use 
in an unhealthy way. Yeah. I never used ketamine before. I never smoked pot when I was a teenager who was drinking. I never smoked pot until my mom passed away. My family and lots of people around me have tried to be push benzos down my throat so many times throughout my life. And I'm still just like, yeah, that's not really for me, you know? And so it's just interesting, like, everyone's recovery is so different. And I just want to make it clear that, like, yes, I posted that I got my four-year AA chip. Yes, I'm super stoked that I made it four years without drinking because I never – I still today don't believe it. Like, it's, it, just, yeah. it seems so impossible to me. But I just want to move away from that idea of, like, so, like there's this Venn diagram of sobriety and recovery. And I feel like they can touch, but they don't have to. And for yeah. me, not drinking for four years – and it took – <laughs> for me, not drinking for four years, and it took a long time because they say it takes the alcoholic brain like two years of sobriety to even start healing. Yeah. It took a long time to be able to even get that insight onto my own life. Yeah. So, like, people don't need to be sober to enter recovery because recovery is about recovery from mental health, physical issues, and hopefully getting to that place where you don't need to disassociate. But you might still need other things to manage pain, to manage whatever, right? Yeah. Definitely. Well, congratulations on making it. And four years, like, I agree, four years, it's, uh, it, you know, I felt very secure in my sobriety at one year. Well, I was like, I'm in this. I love this. This is what I want to do. But it's been, it's so different. Four years, like, and I still feel secure, but I can, I see now that, like, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But it's hard because you're never secure, and I think sometimes people just get sober or just work on their mental health stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I really encourage people to, you know, take time to normalize their bodies so they can figure out the right substances to put in them. But regardless of what you're using, you still got to do the mental health work. Totally. Thank you for letting me ramble on today. Uh, always a reminder, you can reach out to me if you have any questions about what we've talked about today or anything about substance use. High Rockies Harm Reduction is going to be returning with direct services. We'll be staggering this rollout, but we will be coming to Carbondale every third Thursday starting this month in February. So this third Thursday, February 16th, you can find High Rockies Harm Reduction and all of our direct services, including safe use equipment, free Narcan, free fentanyl test strips and a safe space to talk about whatever you want to talk about we will be at the meeting place third thursdays 4 p.m to 6 p.m find our full service schedule at highrockiesharmreduction.com as we return to more communities in the roaring fork valley very soon thanks so much thanks for listening uh this has been chemical world and you can follow Chemical World, High Rockies Harm Reduction, and Katie and Kay on Instagram and Facebook. And you can listen to past episodes on katieandkay.org. And Chemical World will be back on the air on March 13th at 4.30 p.m. Thanks for listening. And remember, you don't have to be sober to keep your community clean. Drugs may come and drugs may go, and that's all right, you see. Experience has made me rich, and now I can use safely. It might be beer, it might be dope, it may even be caffeine. But we all have a little something that keeps us on our feet. What's important is being safe and stopping the spread of disease. You do not have to be sober to keep your
our community clean Cause we are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical girl Oh boy, we are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical gender nondescript We are living in a chemical world And 